We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, Nick Whalen and I are going to do our FOMO cast, the guys that we wish we drafted but didn't for various reasons. Stay tuned. Everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by the folks from Better Fantasy, Rival Fantasy, and Vivid Seats. Uh, that's right, the, the regular season is upon us, so Vivid Seats always uh, chimes in here. We're going to do a good read for them a little bit later on. Nick Whalen, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. We're, we're almost there. You know, we've been saying that the last few weeks, but we we are now what three days away, uh, a matter of hours away from Lions Chiefs on Thursday night. Really, really fired up to keep previewing Week One. This week, you know, we'll have a full slate of podcasts and videos coming out, talking about the Circa Million contest. That, of course, starts this week as well. We got a bunch of Sirius XM shows throughout the week. And then, you know, I, I love nothing more, Jeff, than getting to the weekend and just doing absolutely nothing other than watching football from, you know, noon my time until the end of Sunday night football. Uh, you get in this fantastic routine where, you know, Saturday's college football, Sunday, of course, is the NFL, Monday, you got Monday night football. Really, all you have to do is like make it through Tuesday and Wednesday each week, and you're back to football on Thursday. And then, you know, Friday, you always have something going on. So I, I'm excited to get back into that routine of football basically just ruling my life. Spoken like a man who doesn't have any kids yet. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it is true. Uh, but uh, yeah, it is great to get into that routine. The Sunday is in particular there. Um, I, I may have had to sacrifice college football at the altar, but uh, mm -hmm. that's okay. Um, North Northwestern is not worth sacrificing, you know, much for anyhow. So uh, that was that's a fine give up for me. Uh, I have one one draft left, but it's uh, not even it's 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 kind of a smaller draft. So all my major ones are done. I did uh, the NFFC prime time over the weekend. We can talk about that a little bit, but this is also kind of a good time to kind of look back at what we've done so far, take a record, and kind of where are my draft regrets? Where where am I like the guys that? I wish I had some pieces of that I don't. Um, and I thought we'd do that exercise for both of us before we look at like the NFFC primetime, before we look at your NFFC draft, before we look at uh, week one. I thought we'd just kind of jump right into it there. So uh, why, why don't you, you know, why don't I go ahead and start? Because I introduced the concept. Nick, I don't have any Bijan Robinson this year. None. Zero. Generational back. The next Adrian Peterson. I have none of them so far this year. 
So I still have a few more important drafts coming up. I have my NFFC later tonight, in fact, right after the Sirius XM show. I'll be hopping on and doing that. I have, you know, kind of my, my two home league drafts. One of those is going on concurrently with the NFFC draft, and then one is later this week. Ooh. So the, the door is not closed on me adding B. John Robinson, but I, I've been saying away too, Jeff. I, I've got him in a couple of best ball leagues, but, you know, the stakes are a little bit different there. You're diversifying more. You know, you're, you're kind of firing off drafts left and right. You're not putting, you know, hours of thought uh, into each pick. And, and of course the stakes are lower in a best ball league, but you know, I'll ask you this, what has kept you away from B. John Robinson? I'm sure you've had opportunities to take him, but uh, you know, what, what has deterred you from B. John Robinson and who have you found yourself taking instead? So, and I want to introduce one thing. It, uh, this doesn't count best ball for me because I think best ball, okay. you can own everybody. Uh, you can right. roster everybody. If you, it really takes some work to not roster people. If you're a volume best ball player, it really takes a lot okay. of work to not roster someone. It must mean you really truly, there, there's no wish you would have had them sort of thing because you could find a way to get them. Right. Um, in the case of Bijan, it's the play, there, there, it's other p- players I liked better. Whether uh, it was, you know, you know, the wide receivers towards the end of the first round. Uh, like I, I'll, I'll find myself roster. I, on, on Saturday, I did CD Lamb in the NFFC primetime there. I wanted to get that receiver start there. So I went with him over Bijan, uh, which, you know, I, I could have had that there. Um, Benson says I have a well-known anti-Falcon bias. Not true. Not true. Uh, and the thing, and then the fact is I have some fear, like, Hey, Arthur Smith is going to optimize Bijan to the hilt. You know, you got that great run blocking offensive line. I am. And, and what if he really truly is the next Peterson? I'm going to totally regret that. Um, I, it's that. And I like Nick Chubb better a little bit too. So those are the two things mm-hmm. like either get the receiver draft slot or, you know, I, I went with Nick Chubb. Um, that is going to be a, you know, that, that, that could be a sticking point Chubb versus Bijan. I mean, I could lose that one in a landslide. It's possible. It's possible, but I, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's likely that it's a landslide loss. Right. And, right. you know, I, I think the fear in, you know, in PPR leagues is that, you know, that's where Bijan Robinson really shines. And, and that's where Nick Chubb perhaps loses a little bit of value. Although, you know, there, there is still belief that it's like, maybe this is the year that Nick Chubb starts catching passes. I, I don't know if I'm fully in on that belief. I know, uh, you know, our guy, John McKechnie is like, you know, we've seen it at Georgia, like deep down this guy, you know, we, we talk about him, like he can't catch passes, but he actually can. They just haven't really asked him to yeah. do so. Uh, yeah. I, I, for the most part, I've, I've been, you know, avoiding Bijan as well. And it's avoiding is maybe too strong of a term. It's not like I don't want him on my team, but it's, it's still too much of an unknown to me. You know, there, there's still too many rumblings of, okay, you know, what, what kind of split is Tyler Algier actually going to get? in this offense early on. And, you know, I, I still kind of want to see it a, a little bit more with Desmond Ritter. I, I, I know I've said over and over on this pod and, and on the radio show that I, I kind of like the Falcons to be a sneaky, decent team due in large part to how easy their schedule is, but that doesn't necessarily think mean that I think their offense is going to be, you know, steamrolling teams every single week. So I, you know, if B. John Robinson breaks out as a, an incredible rookie season, which we know he's capable of doing. Yeah. We're going to look back and we're going to have a little bit of FOMO, but you know, passing on him to add someone like CeeDee Lamb or draft Stephon Diggs or, you know, wait until round two and take Nick Chubb. Like, I, I think these are all pretty defensible decisions. Yeah. And, and by the way, uh, when we go through our respective lists, and I have about five or six, they're almost always running backs or quarterbacks. I had a harder time finding a receiver mm-hmm. I didn't get that I, I wanted but didn't get. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it, it, it's kind of a scary thing. He could just absolutely kill it. Uh, Uncle Ted says Bijan Barkley is the ultimate run, running back stack. If you do the, you know, if you do robust running back, uh, you go running back, running back to start. I, I mean, you mm-hmm. can do that at the end of a lot of drafts. And I've seen it. Um, and there is kind of like some wistfulness looking at it, like, ooh, that could be a lot of fun. 
But then I look at the receivers I'd have to roster and I, I feel a little bit more squeamish, whereas I feel pretty good about adding some running backs in the fourth, fifth, sixth, right. seventh round. So that's one of the reasons why I've gone that route. Who's your, who's your number one player that you regret not drafting so far? So I, I kind of looked at this as just like, all right, I, I made a list of players who I, you know, notable players who I, I just don't have on a ton of teams. And there are, there, there are not a ton where I've, you know, where I've been like, man, I really wish I had more of them because you know, I've done enough drafts that if I wanted them, I could get them. But somebody to me who stuck out and I, I can't really put my finger on why I've been avoiding him. I think I just like some other players in the range a little bit more is I'm on Ross St. Brown. I, I have no exposure to St. Brown. I just haven't really been willing to pay the price. I feel like in, in some drafts that I've done the last couple of weeks, I mean, he's starting to go, you know, eight, nine, 10, uh, you know, ADP wise, he's still going just outside round one on average, but in the last week, Jeff, I mean, there's multiple drafts where he's gone in the top five at the NFFC. And I, I don't know if it's just my general like skepticism of the lions franchise. If it's that I, I feel like I'm a little bit lower on this team than the, the general consensus is, but uh, you know, I understand the case for Amon Ross St. Brown. I think he's you know very, very clearly, the number one guy in this offense, but uh, I think we're being a little presumptuous uh, when it comes to, you know, the upside for this Lions team this season. I don't really know that they got a whole lot better year over year. I think they're relying on a, a lot of unproven players. Uh, yeah, I, I'm still somewhat skeptical of, of Dan Campbell as a head coach. I think he's a good character for the league. I, I think he's somebody that I, I enjoy following, not necessarily the guy I would want leading a team that I care about or a team that I root for. So I've been finding myself going CD lamb, uh, more often than not, A.J. Brown, you know, if I'm picking at 10, yeah. 11, 12, uh, you know, Saquon Barkley, uh, of course, uh, you know, I, Devontae Adams, not so much, but but Garrett Wilson, Nick Chubb, those guys have all been in the mix for me over Amon Ross A. Brown. And I, I wish I could provide a better reason. I, I'm just I, I'm just a little skeptical of this Lions team. And, and you know, I think I'm kind of lumping him into that. Yeah, well, it, it's funny you say that because my next guy is a Lion. We'll get to him in a second. But uh mm-hmm. St. Yeah, Brown went eighth in my overall NFFC primetime. Uh, A.J. Brown went seventh. Um, it, it, Gibbs went even earlier than that. It was, it was an odd draft where, I mean, I wanted Lamb at 10. I thought he, I might get him. I, I actually, the, the choices I had, and, and obviously the cup news breaking as it did uh, on Friday with the setback kind of changed things a little bit. Everybody yeah. else got pushed up a spot and, and cup dropped to the second round of mine. And I saw him drop to the third and others and, Honestly, I wouldn't even take Cooper Cup in the third round right now. Nope. He is not a FOMO guy. I do not regret not taking Cup. <laughs> I mean, he could be awesome, but I do yeah. not regret it for the price that he was going for. Um, you know, just the, the out-of-town specialist with the hamstring injury. I mean, come on. That, mm-hmm. that is, for me, that's, that's super scary. So, St. Brown on the merits. I mean, yeah, he could rack up so many targets. He's mm-hmm. good, and I know the touchdowns were an anomaly. I know he's going to have more touchdowns this year. Um, I, I have some exposure to him, but not a, not a ton. He's... I like all those back of the first round wide receivers, uh, except I'm, I like them all over cup. I think that's the thing I've been doing a lot at. So uh, I, I, I can't touch cup uh, where he's still, where he's going, maybe in the fourth mm-hmm. round, I would do it, but he's not there almost often. Um, my, my next guy, uh, I alluded to it there. I don't have any Jameer Gibbs. I, you know, I'm avoiding the shiny new toy again, third round price on Jameer Gibbs. I mean, he could be amazing. We're hearing, you know, we heard a report over the weekend. He'll be used in ways that people that people don't anticipate. That could be spun two different ways, by the way. That could mean, okay, yeah, he's right. going to get a ton, catch a ton of passes. He's going to line up as a receiver because they don't have a, a pure number two right now with no Jamison Williams. That also could mean that, hey, David Montgomery is going to get more carries. He's going to get that Jamal Williams role, and, uh, and Gibbs is going to get the DeAndre Swift role. 
do you want last year's DeAndre Swift in the third round? I don't, and I'm scared about that a little bit. But I know they, they took him in the first round. They love him. He could be a dynamic pass catcher. I don't have any Jameer Gibbs this year. Neither do I. Uh, if you're a listener of our, our Sirius XM show, uh, you're probably not surprised to hear this. I, to me, he's not a FOMO player for me. He's just somebody that I, I don't want a piece of at cost. Yeah. And you know, I, I love the player. I uh, you know, loved him at Alabama. Super exciting player. I, I totally understand the long-term upside. I think there's there's some kind of Alvin Kamara uh, type of trajectory that he could be on. But, you know, to take a player like that, you know, sometimes you have to grab him like early in round three if you really want Jameer Gibbs. And I, I just – I'm not paying that price, man. I, I think, you know, the way I framed it, you know, over the last few weeks is if you're taking Jameer Gibbs at, say, the 32nd overall pick in a draft, like he has to have, to me, the best-case scenario rookie season – just to return value, not, you know, let alone exceed value. You know, I, I think to me, there's not a world in which Jameer Gibbs finishes as like a top 20 overall fantasy player this season. I think that's just asking too much uh, of this guy in his rookie season. And there's so much talent at the top of the league that that's just a high bar to, cl- uh, to clear for, for anybody, let alone a rookie. Uh, you know, if he was going in, you know, like more of the Brees Hall, Aaron Jones territory, if you could get him in round four or round five, I would be all over it. I, I just... I have not been willing to pay the price on him throughout the entire draft process. And, you know, I kind of thought maybe at some point that price would come down. It, it is not. Yeah. Uh, he's running back nine in the primetime draft so far. Um, he is going at pick 30.69. So yeah, it's early. Uh, you know, we're talking mid early to mid third round is where he's going uh, just behind Josh Jacobs ahead of Ramondre Stevenson, who's almost dropping to the fourth. Same with uh, Najee Harris. Um, I still, I for me, I can say I qualified as a fumble because I I could see him being like Edron James in his rookie year, where you know he could really be that awesome still. Uh, you know, they, they the fact that they spent the draft capital as they did suggests to yeah. me that they have big designs on him. I, I don't know. I, I, I you know we'll see. I mean, it is you know there's a lot of rookies is where I find that I I do get the fumble because I mean let's face it, it's the unknown. We all want to steer into that a lot more. So for me, still a fomo. But uh, I, I get it. For other people, it's a logical decision. How about you? Who's your uh, FOMO number two? So my FOMO number two is Jalen Hurts. Uh, you know, the the okay. quarterback who I go into every draft saying, man, I really want to get Jalen Hurts. And I come out of every draft with like Justin Herbert or, you know, at times Trevor Lawrence or Dak Prescott or Geno Smith. I just, I, I, I in my mind, I want to pay the price for Jalen Hurts. But when push comes to shove and I'm, you know, on the clock in – you know, the second round or, or sometimes even the third round, depending on your, your scoring settings, you know, I, I find myself being like, ah, can I really pass up on Chris Olave? Can I really pass up on, on Derek Henry, who I, I'm still all in on? You know, if Calvin Ridley or T. Higgins are there in round three, like I, I kind of have to go that route. So I, I've, you know, mentally trying to, you know, get myself over that hurdle and say, okay, it's okay to draft a player like Jalen Hurts in round two or three. You know, we, we saw what he did last season. You know, he barely played in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, everything he did should be replicable, uh, quarterbacks deserve to be drafted higher uh, in a lot of formats this season. And yet I, I, I kind of continue to end up shopping in kind of the lower end of that top tier quarterback. Yeah. Um, it, it's interesting. Um, I, I, I'll be talking about quarterback momentarily as well. I, I'm willing to shop in that range. And the thing is, I, I am always, I have paired AJ Brown and hurts together a couple of times. Um, and I like doing that. Uh, some Once in a, in a non-overall contest format even still too. Uh, I, I do like that combo. I think it's worth it. Uh, and so I have, I, 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 luckily I have that. Uh, but 
those, you know, I, I don't often shop in that top tier. It's often, but I do more often than not get a top eight. Uh, there are some leagues where I haven't, and yeah. it's a little scary uh, when you when you don't get a top eight quarterback after what happened last year. But I, I get it there a little bit. So, uh, yeah, Hertz Hertz could be you know a first round player. I mean, he was last year for until he got hurt at the end of the year. Um, but you know that that's the thing about quarterbacks is that you can well I'll get another and I'll be pretty close. Well pretty close wouldn't happen as much after the top eight last year. So that, that, that's the thing. It's a little interesting there. Um, before we move on and talk about our next uh, FOMO players, uh, let's share a quick note from uh, one of our uh, sponsors, our rival fantasy. If you're looking for a place to play head-to-head fantasy football games without the huge tournament, salary caps or complicated game types, then rival fantasy is where you want to play this NFL season. From a twist on a classic game with fantasy bingo, where players generate a lineup to complete achievements and get bingo, to head-to-head fantasy challenges, where you'll pick which of two players will score more fantasy points, this is the best of fantasy sports. For the 2023 NFL season, Rival Fantasy is offering new users a $200 deposit match, plus a $25 first play voucher. Rival Fantasy is so confident you'll love the experience, they're giving you money to play out of the gate. Experience the future of fantasy sports on Rival Fantasy and become a rival today. Also, we're on the Blue Wire Network. Here are a couple of their ads. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, this is FOMOcast. Let's keep rolling on, and guys that we wish we drafted but didn't. You mentioned Jalen Hurts. I, I didn't get any of the best player in the game, Patrick Mahomes. I don't have any of them. I, and it wasn't like I was like, no, I don't. I, I'm down on him this year. Uh, 
you can't, it's not like, you know, you say, well, he doesn't have Tyreek Hill. We're going to have to mm-hmm. ding him this year. No, we saw what the life life is like without Tyreek Hill and it was just fine. And they've invested in wide receiver in the draft too. I mean, they have good young talent there. It's a question of, can they keep them on the field and all that? Uh, I have Hurts. I don't have any Mahomes. Maybe it's because I always wanted to pair him with Kelsey when I did get him. And I, I only got Kelsey once and someone snagged Mahomes before me. Very naughty of them to do that, by the way. Uh, how dare they do that? But uh, I just don't have any Mahomes. And sucks not having the best player in the game. The most fun player in football to watch. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll say the same thing about Mahomes as I did Hurts, right? I mean, those guys are interchangeable to me. Uh, in a lot of leagues, you'll, you'll see Mahomes usually go a few picks higher. You know, Josh Allen is in this conversation as well. Um, and, you know, like I said, Hurts is my favorite of those three. And if I've been targeting him and not getting him, I can tell you that I haven't, I haven't been getting Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes either. I mean, in an NFC draft, you got to be you got to be taking Mahomes probably in the top 15, which again, I'm just not really willing to do, uh, you know, as we've alluded to, you and I love picking in that, you know, 10, 11, 12 range. If you're in a 14 team league, even extend that out to 13, 14. I, I want to double tap early in round two. And then I, I will want, you know, that high pick in round three with third round reversal. And, you know, I really want to come out of that. Uh, if we're talking those first three rounds, I, I want to come out of that with, with either three receivers. I'm fine with that. Or at least mm-hmm. two receivers and a running back. So you know, I, that's, you know, it's pretty easy to see Jeff, why I keep ending up with Justin Herbert, uh, because he's usually sitting there for me in the fourth round uh, after I, I do some solidifying at running back and receiver through the first three. And, uh, you know, the, last season, Mahomes and, and Jalen Hurts uh, and, and Josh Allen, I, I suppose, were kind of on their own level as quarterback. So it does make sense that they typically go a round or two ahead of that next year. Uh, you, you look at like, you know, Jalen Hurts to Geno Smith, for example, that was seven fantasy points per game worth of difference you know you you multiply that by 16 or 17 you do the math and you can see why that makes sense but to me this season like Mahomes versus Herbert like yes chances are Patrick Mahomes finishes ahead of Justin Herbert I don't think it's that big of a gap you know I'm high enough on on Justin Herbert that I I think he narrows that gap and Mahomes maybe beats him by let's say I don't know two fantasy points per game which is a a big big difference compared to how 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 separate they were last season so I, I love Mahomes I respect the hell out of Mahomes obviously it's nothing against him but I just think that the gap between those top three quarterbacks and Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, I don't think that gap will be as cavernous this year. Yeah. Um, I, I think you're, I tend to think you're right about that. I think we get caught up in what happened last year is the script for the upcoming year way too often. And I think there is still a trend of separation. I just don't think it'll be as extreme. Noteworthy uh, in my primetime draft on Saturday, uh, 30, six quarterbacks taken in the first 37 picks. Uh, there's a team, uh, team two in this one. And remember it's third round reversal uh, team two started off chase and Higgins all set to take burrow in the third round. And he got sniped two picks before him there. Oh. And he was just like apoplectic. Uh, I think he pivoted to Herbert and then another team took uh, Jackson at 37. And it's just like, okay, it's on. So I ended up getting uh, T-Law in the fifth round still, mm-hmm. and I'm happy with that. It was like I, I kind of had that decision. Do I get a top eight guy, or do I go and get another get my, get my another receiver or get that second running back? And it was a tough call, but um, I, I think I'm happy with T-Law there. But uh, it was interesting to see, okay, Herbert's not sitting there for you in the fourth round. He's not, let alone the fifth in this one there. So just you – know, and the pr- live events are tend to be a little bit different also than the uh, uh, the online ones there. Um, okay, your number three homo guy, Tony Pollard. 
Tony Pollard. Oh, yeah. I, I have not I have not ended up with as much Tony Pollard as I would like. I am certainly going into tonight's NFFC draft hoping that that changes. Uh, you know, like I said, I still have a couple more you know important leagues going off this week, so the book is not closed uh, on landing some of these players. But with Pollard, you know, it, it almost feels like you have to kind of be in the in the perfect draft slot to grab him. Uh, you, know, you don't you have to be picking like I don't know seventh, eighth, or ninth, or you feel like you're reaching. You know, taking him over Nick Chubb. Like I'm always going to take Chubb over Pollard. So maybe that's part of the issue mm-hmm. is I, I have a ton of Nick Chubb. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I would still, I would slightly lean Saquon over Pollard. Although I, to me, that case is a little bit closer than, than the ADP would indicate. I mean, Tony Pollard last season was what, like the RB, I think six in terms of average fantasy points per week. And then you also factor in that Ezekiel Elliott scored 12 touchdowns last season. And virtually all those came from like three yards or shorter. So even if Tony Pollard is not getting a hundred percent of that workload, if he gets half of those, uh, you know, you could kind of, imagine where that fantasy value goes. So, you know, there, there is, I think, some concern about the injury coming back from a severe injury late last season. You know, how does he hold up as the clear number one guy? But I, I don't think they really have that 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 new Ezekiel Elliott, right? I, there's, there's not a touchdown vulture to me really on this roster. So as long as Tony Pollard stays healthy, I think there's a really good chance that he ends up being a first-round value. Uh, I, I just have not been in the right position in enough drafts to grab Tony Pollard. Um, you know, I've been picking, picking 10, 11, 12, a lot. And, and like I said, that's usually where I'm getting, you know, CD lamb, AJ Brown, Nick Chubb, Devonte Adams, um, you know, Garrett Wilson more often than Adams. So um, yeah, if you're picking in the middle of a draft and you have a, you have an opportunity to get Pollard with the 16, 17, 18th pick coming around in round two, absolutely advise doing that. Yeah. Uh, I hear you. And I, I think that's right. I, I think that Pollard is one of those guys for sure that I'm, I, I, he, he, you know, I think I have them maybe in one league. And, you know, you, you said the Chubb versus Pollard thing. It resonates with me. I did that very, very same thing on Saturday. And um, or I, I went with Garrett Wilson as my second receiver. You know, I got that, um, it, you know, especially because I'm starting to see that receiver inflation. Maybe I play too much NFFC, mm-hmm. but, you know, you start to see those yellow stickers in the second round. You're like, I can't if I take if I take Pollard here, I'm, I'm going to get screwed at wide receiver. And so I, I start going that route a lot more often. So. Yeah, uh, it totally resonates with me. I, and Pollard could go crazy. But keep in mind, he is coming off a broken leg, too. Uh, there, it, there is the Mike McCarthy uh, issue there. Uh, you know, it, it's – yeah, it's not going to be as fast-paced of an offense this year. What if that drags down the entire offense? Probably won't, but he, he probably will be completely worthy. He could be He could be the 1.1 next year. I mean, he he's – the upside is there. So that's why it definitely yeah. qualifies as FOMO. Um, I get the reasons why you pass on him, and I also get – like, oh man, I really regret this. I, I, mm-hmm. I could, I could be wrong on this one here. Um, so yeah, I, I don't have enough exposure to him either. And uh, I'm concerned about that one. Yeah. He's the guy to me that fits this definition of what we're trying to throw out here the most, right? Like there's, you know, there's other players where you could make a case against them, but like I, he is one guy that I've gone into pretty much every draft wanting to get. And like I said, if you're not, if you're not drafting in the right slot, you just have no chance to get him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And that that's for sure, and there's there's a concern about it. Does he play 17 games? I, I get that, yeah. um, 16 for our purposes, but uh, yeah, that that is a concern. All right, um, wide receivers. Be honest, Nick. I got almost all the receivers I wanted, uh, at least once or twice. Uh, but I also make a priority of drafting him, so it was harder to come up with one here. But I do have one, um, and that's George Pickens. Uh, I, I do not have any George Pickens in my life. And when he high points that ball and, you know, you know, roof somebody, 
Uh, I might regret it. If he gets 10 touchdowns and Deontay gets two, I'm going to be feeling pretty yep. bad about that one there. Uh, I don't have any George Pickens and he is not getting, he's starting to get expensive too. I saw Benson make a comment in the comments uh, in the chat uh, that you, you might be able to get him at a, at a re- reasonable price, but I'm telling you, his price is going up, up, up. Uh, he, yeah. he's in the, he's not right now. He's in the, uh, uh, yeah, I'd say like in the fifties, I'm starting to see him fifties and sixties mm-hmm. and he used to be able to get him like 75 to 80. Yeah. He's got a min pick of 36 in the last week at the NFFC. So of course that is an outlier, but uh, it also speaks to the fact that there are, there are people out there that view him as a, you know, third, fourth round upside type of player. I, I have very few shares of George Pickens as well, mostly because I just haven't been willing to pay that price. I don't love, you know, having to jump ADP sometimes by a round or two for a player like George Pickens. And, you know, I'm looking at our Sirius XM post league draft. Like he went, he went ahead of Mike Williams. He went ahead of Christian Kirk. Uh, He went ahead of Michael Pittman, which I'm actually fine with, uh, you know, well ahead of Deontay Johnson in that league as well. Um, So, you know, I, I love the player in George Pickens. I, I just, I, I do think that there's a chance that he is a you know more impactful real life player than he is fantasy player this season. I mean, you got to keep in mind, Pittsburgh had what 12 passing touchdowns as a team last season. And that's not happening again. I mean, they, they could, they right. could double that number, but it's like, 24 is still not that many, you know, like, so I, I think, I, I think this offense will progress, but I, I don't think it's all of a sudden a, a, you know, 38 passing touchdown offense and 11 of those are in the hands of George Pickens. So a lot of the problems, a lot of the limitations that he faced last season, I think will likely still be there. There's there's low-key kind of some competition for targets, right? You have a, a target monster, Deontay Johnson. You have a good tight end uh, in Pat Fryermuth. You have a running back in Najee Harris who could catch the ball. So I, I really like George Pickens a lot. I, I think drafting him in the 50s to me is a mistake. Uh, now, this time next year, I, I think, you know, we'll, we'll be talking about him perhaps in a different context. But, um, you know, I, I think there's a little bit of wishful thinking going along uh, with George Pickens again, love the player, but don't love the cost. Yeah. Um, and that's typically been my approach. I I'm just, I do acknowledge that the possibility I could be wrong on this one here. And it, you know, mm-hmm. we know development isn't linear. I mean, Kenny Pickett wasn't even the start right. at the beginning of the year last year. He had a bad offensive line last year. It's, you know, it's year two versus year one and both for he and for Pickens, I could see an explosion as, as an, you know, he could be one of those guys we're drafting in the third round next year. Um, yeah. And I, if so, I'm going to regret not have not being there for that there. So he is FOMO for me, uh, and I, I do yeah. not have him anywhere. Well, he's uh, such okay. a fun player that he's he's a FOMO guy as well, yeah. right? I mean, like, you know, you totally exactly. see the upside. So I, I think you're, you're, you're spot on there. I'll throw out another receiver quickly. Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley. Love Calvin Ridley. Was, was getting a decent amount of him, especially in best balls, you know, three months ago. And then – you know, it felt like every time you, you check ADP, he's, he's up one spot per day. And, and now you, you really have to pay an exorbitant cost to, to go out and get the Jags number one receiver. Uh, going on average with the 26th pick right now in NFFC leagues, uh, still a, a fairly wide range. You know, sometimes uh, he's gone as early as 13 in the last week. He's gone as late as 46. So, um, you know, there, there is still, I, I think, somewhat of a, a range there. But in general, I mean, he has he's made quite the ascent. You know, passing up guys oh, yeah. like Amari Cooper, Debo Samuel, Keenan Allen, DK Metcalf in ADP. I mean, he's essentially pulled even with T. Higgins. Uh, he's kind of in that Chris Olave, Devante Smith tier as well. Uh, so I, I love Calvin Ridley. <laughs> of course, I, I want Calvin Ridley to have the greatest Jacksonville Jaguars receiving season of all time. Uh, but, you know, it, it's gotten to the point where it, it's, it's just tougher to land him, right? I mean, you're he's one of Absolutely. those guys where everybody, everybody seemingly is going out of their way to, to get Calvin Ridley. And, 
you know, I, I'm, I'm not even totally out on the cost. I, I think it could be justified. You know, if this offense is as good as a lot of people think it will be, I, I don't think taking him, you know, midway through round two uh, is all that crazy or, or, you know, early in round three is all that crazy at all. But uh, you know, you, you have to kind of seek him out in drafts. You know, he's not somebody who's ever going to fall to you at this point. That's a hundred percent right. And uh, I, you know, he's one of those guys that uh, I used to kid, you know, Calvin Ridley, we used to go in the fourth or fifth round at the start of draft season. Now he's ended the second and he and Chris Olave, I think are the helium guys. Uh, and, and the push on wide receivers just keep, keeps getting crazier and crazier. And they, the cup, you know, Cooper cups, situation is even exacerbating that problem too. Cause you know, if you don't want to take cup yeah. at the end of the first beginning of the second or anywhere in the second, you know, it, it's like, okay, where am I going to get my wide receiver? There's been 42 primetime drafts now in the NFFC, and that's the $1,700, seven, uh, 1750 uh, entry fee. So, you know, people are paying good money for that. Average mm-hmm. pick for Ridley is wide receiver 14, right at that one, two, that, that two, that, that, that <clears throat> they ended the second round. I was going to say two, three turn, but it's not two, three turn. It's just the end of the second round because the third right. round reversal. Uh, range of 13 to 31. God bless those people who got him in the third round because that, that's just, that's becoming increasingly rare. What I'm, I'm finding now that like when I drafted on Saturday, I had the 10 spot. So I'm going 10, I'm going 15, and then I'm going 27. And I was like, okay, Ridley would be amazing there or Olave. Well, Olave never happened. Olave hasn't made it 27 once uh, in those right. 42 drafts so far. Uh, Devonta Smith has made it there one time out of 42 drafts. Ridley, I think just a couple of times. So DK Metcalf is now my guy. There, I'm getting at that spot yeah. instead. Higgins every once in a while, but Higgins was right. gone. I think in this draft, I know he was gone because he went at the the team two at the end of the second round. Um, and then if you don't get Metcalf, then you're like, okay, do I push up Keenan Allen now? At first, at one point, I was out on Keenan Allen. Now I found yeah. myself rostering him a couple of times because he's the guy that slips in some cases. But in the end of FC, he's rising. Yeah. So it, it, it's it's really an interesting conundrum there what to do with the wide receiver position. And really, oh my God, you nailed it there. He is a guy that's hard hard to get. Hard to roster. You had to get them early. So how, how do you personally rank? Like, let's say you, you have the option between Higgins, Ridley, and Metcalf. How would you order those three? Um, Higgins, Ridley, Metcalf. I'd I think go, I'd go that order. I, I think I might go Ridley ahead of Higgins because I think Ridley okay. will be the number one in Jacksonville. Yeah. Um, and it's a shame. I would have loved to join Ridley Lawrence uh, in, in prime time there and get a little combo meal, but I didn't. Um, Good story. Uh, but, you know, it, it's one of those where, yeah, I think I'd go Ridley, Higgins, Metcalf. I, I, you could even, you know, I'm pretty happy with, I put Metcalf and Higgins on the same same tier, though, same par. Um, if I have to yeah. choose between them, I think I'd go Higgins just because I think the offense I believe in a little bit more. But keep in mind, too, that, you know, Seattle gets two games against Arizona. They get two games against the Rams, which I know that's Aaron Donald, but it's also no longer uh, the same killer secondary. Um, the Rams might be a sad sack team for all we know. I mean, they play in week one, so we'll find out pretty quickly. Uh, uh, I, I think it's, I think nope. it's likely that they will be a sad sack team, especially if Cooper cup, you know, ends up missing a decent chunk of time to begin the year. I mean, they're, they're walking such a thin yeah. line, even if he was healthy, you know, they, they are, they're one of those teams that they're kind of like the Titans to me where it's like, all right, if, if everything goes your way, yeah, I guess you can see this, this team winning like 10 games and, and make it the playoffs, but you know, one key injury, one misstep and, and this could go completely the other direction. Yeah, yeah, I think that I think that's right. Um, I have one tight end FOMO guy, okay. um, and it's one. It's where I wait on tight ends, and I still get it wrong. And that is, I don't get David Njoku, and I really wanted some. I, I think I needed to push him up into that like D 
the end of that last that second tier as opposed to putting them in the the commons pile if you will at the top of the commons pile um and it, it's tough to take a tight end in that spot you've already waited that far yeah. um do you kind of you, you almost have to kind of nudge them up a little bit tight end 11 in the, in the prime time but that's not the way it's worked out for me like he's gone ahead of firmuth and kincaid in most of my drafts yeah. kind of have to put him around angram level now in, in, in the prime time, I didn't have that issue because I, I was gifted Kyle Pitts at 99. Um, I'd say gifted. Maybe it's a Trojan horse. Who knows? But uh, that, that was 25 picks after ADP. And, well, I, I didn't come into the draft planning to take Kyle Pitts there. But when it when you got to be ha- also have the flexibility to take it when a gift is given to you. But I don't have an Joku, and I think he's a really good player. So you got Pitts at 99? That is wild, man. Yes. I mean, that is, that's like the second lowest that he's gone in any draft in the last week out of like 200-plus drafts. So that, that very well could be a Trojan horse. But I, I think at that point in the draft, you, you have to take that. You know, it's not like you're, you're yeah. grabbing him at, at pick 75. So that's, that's in, impressive and you know, could be a, a huge boon for your team. Uh, I'm with you on Njoku. I, I haven't got a ton of him just because I'm usually drafting Pat Fryermuth. I actually have a decent amount of Evan Ingram. As well, uh, I have a keeper question for you, mm-hmm. by the way, that we'll, we'll address at the end of the pod involving okay. Evan Ingram. I I have not really been shopping beyond the Ingram, Fryermuth, and Joku tier. Like, if I'm waiting on tight end, I'm almost always grabbing one of those guys. And, you know, if that's my first tight end, you know, then I'm, I'm grabbing someone like Juwan Johnson later on. You know, Gerald Everett, I, I think, has a decent amount of upside, especially because I have Justin Herbert on so many teams. You know, even Cole Komet every now and then. Uh, but the FOMO tight end for me, Jeff, is the the Calvin Ridley of tight ends this year, Darren Waller. You know, I I was a little bit skeptical initially when he landed with the New York Giants, and then it just felt like week to week, you know, the helium was rising. You know, the, the reports were overwhelmingly positive, and I, I think he has a pretty clear path now to being, you know, obviously the starting tight end, but also the number one wide receiver for this team or the number one pass catcher, however you want to phrase it. Uh, but like Calvin Ridley, I mean, his ADP has risen accordingly. And you, you now have to go into a draft, you know, kind of framing your your you know third, fourth, fifth round pick around. All right, I want to make sure I get Darren Waller because there's usually going to be somebody who's willing to reach for him. I mean, he's gone as early as the second pick in the second round uh, over the last yeah. week in the NFFC. So obviously, you know, I'm not recommending taking Darren Waller at like 25 or 26 overall. Um, but you know, you, you got to be cognizant again. Unlike Kyle Pitts, there's not going to be a draft where he just like falls into your lap in the 70s. Yeah, he, he is tight in three in the prime time, uh, ahead of Hawkinson, ahead of Kittle, you know, obviously ahead of Goddard. And, and Pitts is clearly number seven now. He And that's one thing. Pitts has dropped consistently. I think there's a rising amount of skepticism about him, uh, which is why I was able to get him there. And, you know, you know that, that that's why you, you – but that's what you're there for sometimes. But you know, I'm with you on Waller, and I, I like the, you know, early draft price I liked a lot better. And because – when you take that, that, you know, you're taking the third tight end, you're almost always doing it at the expense of wide receiver three or running back two. And it's, mm-hmm. and, and if you already have a quarterback, that's tough to pull off. You know, you, you either get the early tight end or you get the early quarterback. It's hard to do both. Yeah. Yeah. You're exactly right about that. And um, you know, Waller to me is, is worth that risk, uh, you know, of, of kind mm-hmm. of exposing yourself at, a, at another position, but yeah, you got to be aggressive if you want to land them. No question about that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So to summarize, here are here are our FOMO guys for Nick, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Jalen Hurts, Tony Pollard, Calvin Ridley, Darren Waller. For Jeff, Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, Patrick Mahomes, George Pickens, and David Nichoku. So those are ones that we wanted but did not get for whatever reason. 
We're going to take a look at week one in a second, but first uh, we have to share a couple of advertising notes. I think we can agree that fantasy sports are awesome. So is daily fantasy and sports betting. That's why we have so many freaking accounts. What's not so awesome is going to a bunch of different apps to find the best odds and manage all your fantasy lineups. Enter Better Vision. That's B-E-T-T-O-R Vision. Better. Get it? Better Vision is the only app that syncs all your fantasy, DFS, and sportsbook accounts into one place. We only show you the best odds for every bet, so you'll always get the best value. And our dashboard is the only one-stop shop to track all of your fantasy matchups, DFS picks, and bets. Visit bettervision.us to download Better Vision today. Also, if you want to go to a game, Vivid Seats is back with us. Football's back, and so is Vivid Seats. Kick off the NFL season with Vivid Seats and score tickets to all the hottest matchups and biggest games of the year. Catch every pass, every tackle, and every heart-pounding play of your favorite team live and in person. And with Vivid Seats rewards, now you will earn rewards with every single purchase. Each ticket you buy gets you closer to your reward. Just buy 10 tickets and simply cash in your credit toward your 11th ticket purchase. It's that easy. Plus, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first your first $200 ticket purchase cut with code ROTOWIRE. That's code R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E. From the 50-yard line to the upper deck, Vivid Seats has great tickets for all the 2023 games that matter to you. Just visit vividseats.com or download the app today. I, I've personally used Vivid Seats multiple times. It, it works great. I, I've never had a problem with them. So as a personal endorsement, I do recommend Vivid Seats if you're going look, trying to get tickets to a game. Um, okay, Nick. Uh, we kind of, we handled all of our FOMO guys. Let's talk about week one. Um, I thought we, I don't think we need to go through every game. I think that that would just be laborious and, you know, we don't have the bandwidth or time for that. So instead I wanted to, you know, you to kind of highlight two or three matchups for me that have really caught your eye. Uh, well, of course, Jaguars Colts. I think the, the eyes of the nation will be descending on Indianapolis, <laughs> Indiana at noon on Sunday. Jags are up to five point favorites on the road, by the way. We'll, we'll be addressing that uh, in my, my weekly Circa Million video. You can keep an eye out for that on the Rotowire YouTube channel later this week. But I, I think we have to start with what to me is maybe not the extremely obvious game of the week, uh, but to me, the, the most intriguing matchup. Bills Jets is on the list as well. Dolphins Chargers, Jeff, in the afternoon window on Sunday. Over under yeah. 51, uh, I believe that is the highest on the board. Uh, 54 is the the number for Lions Chiefs. But if we're talking Sunday games, uh, that's easily the highest. The only game over 50. I, this this has potential to be a, a monster shootout. You know, Tua versus Herbert. Uh, I think the, the narrative speaks for itself on that side. I think these are two of what could be the three or four best passing offenses in the entire league. We'll, we'll see if the Chargers have reformed themselves as a rushing defense whatsoever. Uh, but storylines abound here in, in two teams that I think that are kind of fighting for credibility in that second tier in the AFC. Yeah, uh, we saw this matchup last year and it was offensively disappointing a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I think that's partly partly because of the play calling, partly because of the personnel at the time. But, uh, the, you know, the Dolphins came out and threw the ball three straight incompletes to start the game on that one there when the Chargers were at a historic low in terms of ability to stop the run. They eventually turned it like I had Jeff Wilson going in some leagues at that point too. And I was like, yes, Jeff Wilson's been, you know, Mostert's hurt. Wilson's going to be the guy. And then it just didn't happen. Some storylines from that game. I'm kind of curious to see, like, does Mostert get like a lot, of, you know, does he get 15 to 20 touches? How, how important it, how uh, involved is Devon a chain or are they going to sell? Are they truly going to Salvin Ahmed as the backup, the number two guy there? Uh, you know, I, I'm kind of on the, I'm really kind of curious to see that on the uh, charger side. 
you know, they're saying uh, it, it's not going to be uh, rookie Quentin Johnson as the number three. Instead, they're, they're uh, saying it's going to be Josh Palmer. Are they, are they, is this a smoke screen or are they really kind of really concerned about uh, Johnson's inability to catch the ball in the preseason? Uh, I, I, I wouldn't, I said somewhere in the middle to me. I, I don't think they're super concerned about Quentin Johnston. I think he'll, it'll be just fine. I think it's maybe more of an endorsement of Josh Palmer, who has kind of been like this pre breakout player for the last few years and, and somebody that they've certainly hoped would take a step forward. Now, if you're taking a receiver like Johnston in the first round, uh, you're, you're hoping that he's going to contribute right away. So it's, it's certainly not a, a good side by any means, but uh, I, I, I remain a fan of Quentin Johnston. I, I think he'll be just fine. We, we've seen some pretty big name receivers struggle relatively in the preseason and, and end up uh, you know, kind of getting things figured out as their rookie years go along. I think, you know, Jamar Chase is, is probably the best example of that. So, uh, you know, it, it was going to be a unique situation for Johnston regardless, because, you know, it's not often that you, you have a first round receiver stepping in as like at best, the clear number three in what should be a really good offense. So I, I think the chargers kind of have the luxury of bringing him along a little bit more slowly that, you know, other teams taking a receiver in the first round don't necessarily have. Yeah. Um, and, then, and the other issue, too, is the Vic Fangio defense. You know, I'm kind of curious yeah. to see how, how much tougher uh, this defense really is. How quickly, they, you know, can he exact his changes? I mean, they have a lot of, like, draft capital, a lot of you know, financial capital invested in that defense. Obviously, losing Jalen Ramsey before the first snap of the year uh, really does hurt. But um, it's still, it's a, you know, like Bradley Chubb in full first season. Yeah. Like, what's he, what sort of havoc is he going to wreak? You know, this is, this is, I feel like the under is the play here. Um, I guess it's a way of getting at here, but well, we'll see. Yeah, I, I I have to put more more research into that one. I, I I love the case for the over as well. I mean, like you said, last year we kind of thought we were getting this firework game, and that was not necessarily the case. But um, you know, I, I think both these defenses, especially the Chargers, can be vulnerable early on. And and certainly we know what this Dolphins offense is capable of with, with Tua healthy, and we, we know he's healthy to begin the year. So I, I think we actually see quite a few points here um i'll highlight a couple more games that we could get out of here i I know you got to run and and so do i you know packers bears goes without saying this is you know the first time in forever that the packers have a a real question mark at quarterback and you know we're not talking about just you know aaron Rodgers broke his collarbone and in comes matt flynn let's see what he looks like i mean this is a completely new era aaron Rodgers is not coming back um and and green bay now you know moves into a state of unknown that they have not had in 20 or 30 years so jordan love looked great in the preseason. I think there's reason to believe that he could be the next guy. Uh, there's also reason to believe that he could not be. And this was a disastrous pick that kind of derailed your relationship with your star quarterback and ultimately, you know, cost you some pretty good chances to, to win a Super Bowl. So it, it's kind of a, a high risk, high reward situation here still for green Bay, even as Jordan love, uh, you know, has had, has had multiple years on this roster, but I am very, very excited to see what he looks like not just in week one, but in this specific environment. I mean, going on the road to Soldier Field, you know, this is the most optimism that the Bears have had in a very long time. And I think they're going to be out for blood, right? I mean, part of the reason they're optimistic is Aaron Rodgers is no longer the quarterback for your arch rival. Yeah, Bears were beating the Packers pretty comfortably in the second game of the year until uh, Rodgers let an epic comeback. Well, until the the Bears gave it to him, too. I mean, there were some, like, some miscues a lot by the Bears, including by Fields. Uh, in that game too. So I'm kind of curious to see if they can redeem themselves and all that one there. Um, yeah. It, it, Uncle Ted asked, when's the last time the Packers had a bad quarterback? Uh, Don, Don Mikowski, really the magic man. I, you don't I even remember alive for that. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't yeah. being, you know, being from Wisconsin, being from green Bay. Like I have never, 
I've never experienced a, a quarterback controversy in my entire life. It's like Pittsburgh having a coach controversy. It just doesn't right. happen. Um, it's just, yeah. yeah and, and even like when the, the Packers were bad, when I was a kid, like Lynn Dickey was the quarterback. He was still a decent quarterback. I mean, they, they really didn't have too many weird years at quarterback there. It, it, it's yeah. kind of, it's kind of funny. Um, I'll, I'll highlight a couple of matchups that I like too. Uh, I, I would say, San Francisco Pittsburgh is the one to me that I think is very yes. intriguing there. I think there's some very interesting storylines there, including the op- renewed optimism in Pittsburgh, uh, the quarterback situation with the Niners. I mean, they, they made their decision They're, They washed their hands at Trey Lance. They acknowledged an error and moved on. Uh, but they're really, truly all in on Brock Purdy. I mean, let's face it. Sam Darnold's not really a threat. I know they think that they could do anything. They could turn Darnold into something decent. He beat out Lance, but, is has Purdy fully recovered from that elbow injury for that matter too? I mean, he's on a he's you know a snap limit in practice every week. You know, a throw limit um, year two when everybody has tape on him now, um, pro tape on him that is, uh, you know, and against a really tough D, Pittsburgh defense on the road in week one. I I, I think this is a, kind of a interesting game because I mean, and, and the Niners are also still don't haven't signed Nick Bosa yet. Um, will they do that by opening day? I don't know, but. Uh, Oh, I, I got to say, I mean, this is the, the Niners are presumed to be one of the two NFC favorites, but they have this two huge, massive question marks at quarterback and Bosa. I would not be surprised at all if Pittsburgh wins this game, especially with it being at Pittsburgh. You know, if it was at San Francisco, I'd, I'd probably feel a little bit differently. But yeah, all the questions you brought up with regard to the 49ers are, are valid. I, I don't. I agree with you that I don't think Sam Darnold is necessarily a, a true threat to Brock Purdy, but I also don't think the 49ers would be scared to go to Darnold. You know, I think Purdy would have to play his mm-hmm. way out of that starting job, but uh, you know, I, I think they feel pretty comfortable with, with what Darnold could give them probably similar to, to how Brock Purdy played down the stretch last season. But yeah, I mean, for, for a team that, you know, roster wise is as good as any in the NFC, you know, to, to still once again, have that same question that's kind of hung over this franchise uh, for as long as they've been in this, this Shanahan run, um, you know, they, they have not fully solved the quarterback question and look, maybe by week four or week five, Brock Purdy picks up where he left off last season and he's the guy and, you know, the, you know, uh, you know, he's kind of the, the next, you know, late round quarterback to, to ascend to stardom. Like that's, that's very much in the cards. And I think that's the path that the 49ers hope this season takes, but uh, I, I don't think we could pencil that in by any means. And this is a really, really tough matchup to begin the year. Uh, again, if this game was in San Francisco, I think you'd feel a lot better about it, but having to travel to Pittsburgh, um, you know, we saw what that defense could be when everybody was healthy last season. They should be healthy to begin the year. There's a lot more optimism about this Steelers offense. Niners are two and a half point favorites on the road. Uh, at the very least, that's a stay away from me. And I, I might even take Pittsburgh. Yeah, um, I, I'm with you on that one there, too. Um, I, I, in fact, I think Pittsburgh might win outright. Although, I mean, it, it, loath to underestimate the Niners, but. I also think the Niners are one of those teams that kind of figures it out halfway through every season too. I think they're the team that struggles early and like what you do, you see all these think pieces on what's wrong with the Niners and then they rip off eight in a row or something like that. Uh, but uh, right. I, I do think this is a dangerous game for the Niners also. Um, I'm also obviously intrigued in Bengals Browns. Um, we, we've talked a decent amount. And I do think it's a trap game. Burrow never plays well against the Browns. So that's something I'm really concerned about. Uh, but then the, the obvious one too, we got to talk Bills Jets. I mean, this is obviously a really big game, um, you know, for the division. You know, they had two wars last year. Josh Allen got banged up a little bit uh, last year in that in the, in one of those games against the Jets, uh, and now they have a real. The Jets have a real quarterback. Last year they did not. 
Um, so this is obviously another one where we're kind of really watching this one and, and, and intrigued to see how it plays out. Yeah, like I said, if it's not Dolphins Chargers, I think this is the game of the week for obvious reasons. Um, not surprised that it gets the the Monday night billing. Uh, we're seeing Buffalo as two and a half point favorites on the road. Well, maybe a little generous, but I, but I understand it. Um, you know, I, I think the, the 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 Jets still you know kind of have some some questions to answer in terms of okay, how does Aaron Rodgers translate this to to real life play on the field? You know, it's, it's one thing to kind of win the offseason, but you actually have to to, to prove it before you, you fully get yeah. that respect and. I, I, I love this Jets defense. I, I like this roster overall. I, I still I still have some questions, you know, about the skill position players. You know, they, they have no real tight end to speak of. You know, you have a lot of uncertainty in that receiver core uh, beyond Garrett Wilson. Uh, so I, I don't know that Aaron Rodgers made this, like, massive leap from a, a sinking ship in Green Bay to this, you know, ultra-talented team in the New York Jets. I, I don't think this is exactly like Brady going down to Tampa Bay with this ready-made Super Bowl contender, especially in a brutal AFC. So, you know, it's week one, no matter what happens here, neither of these teams are going to be panicking, but this is actually kind of a huge game, right? I mean, not only for the division, but just for AFC positioning, because you know, you you can't afford a slow start in this AFC. I mean, there are so many good teams, so many teams that expect to win nine, 10, 11 games, expect to be in the playoffs that, um, you know, you got to come out firing right away. I mean, whoever loses this game is, is already going to be in, in kind of a small hole to begin the year. And, uh, with a, a conference that's this top heavy, uh, that that's actually really meaningful. Indeed. Indeed. What's your prediction on this game? I'm going to take the bills. I'm going to take the bills. Uh, I, I was telling John on, on the sports betting pod last week that, you know, I, I'm with him. He's really down on Buffalo. He doesn't think they're winning the division. Like I think they regress. I, I agree with the, with the, the general consensus that maybe they take a step back, but they were a 13, 14 win team last season. You know, they, they you know, played one fewer game than the rest of the league. Uh, I think they could still regress and be like an 11 or 12 win team and, and be really good. I still think they have the highest floor of any team in this division. Uh, I still think they have the better offensive weapons than the Jets do. So I, I actually think we get a, a lower scoring kind of ugly game where, where neither offense looks great. But I'll take the Bills to win, you know, something like 23-20. All right. Very good. Uh, I'm going to take the Jets. I, I, it okay. kills me to say that, too, because I'm not a fan. But um, I think Novon Miller is going to be uh, yeah. more – uh, impactful than people realize. I think it t- when they lost him, it cha- completely changed the texture of their defense last year in their pass rush. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, I, I could be wrong about that, but we'll see. But uh, I am—I I have some Jet skepticism, but I, I do think this that defense yeah. is really pretty wicked. So we'll see what happens there. All right, um, I think that's going to wrap it up. Is there any other game we want to talk about? Or are we good? Uh, I, I think that's about it. I mean, honestly, like I, I've been treated by every game here. Maybe that's just me being a football yeah, fan, but like Titans, Titans Saints to me is kind of a, a sneaky good game in the early window. Uh, obviously Panthers Falcons, you know, I'm really excited to see what B. John Robinson looks like. I'm excited to see what Bryce Young looks like in his first game, but uh, this is dangerous territory. I, I don't want to start going game by game. It's going to be like 15 minutes of me rambling. So we'll right. put off here. We'll save that for Jeff, next week when we're, re- yes, we're reviewing exactly. the games. Yes. I, I do All have right. a, an important keeper question to ask you. Uh, yes, yes, yes. A, this, this is for my uh, fiance's family league. So I, you know, my, my respectability uh, as a son-in-law is on the line here. I could keep any of these three players for my final round pick. So like, I don't even know, 15th or 16th round. They're basically free. Do I keep Kenneth Walker, Isaiah Pacheco or Evan Ingram? You keep Walker. Um, I, 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 I think there's a, lower ceiling to what Pacheco could be uh, because I yeah. just don't see him that involved in the passing game. 
yeah, you're, it's one of it's either one of the two backs. Uh, yeah. You know, I know you, you got some Jaguars love for Evan Ingram, but you can always just re-add him in the draft. Yeah, Kenneth Walker for me. I, I actually it was, I don't think it's I, Walker is interestingly enough slipped in my primetime draft, but I still think he's he's pretty transparently the guy. Okay, there we have it. Kenneth Walker over Pacheco. I, I have not made my final call, but I will I will okay. inform you of what that decision is later today. We'll be waiting with bated breath. Um, yeah, you, you luck and the on rest that. of the world. Yes, indeed. So, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing your NFFC results. So it should be a, a busy, busy night for you. Uh, big thanks to everybody jumping in. A very active chat room today. Really appreciate that. Thanks, everybody, for uh, t- j- jumping in with us. And if you weren't listening live, uh, thanks for listening on the podcast later on. Uh, we got uh, Jake and Joe coming up, uh, and it, we're starting our regular in-season schedule. You know, they'll be talking about guys that you can add uh, this week. If you did an early draft, there's a lot of free agents. I did sneaky ads with Alan Soslowski, too. You can check that out on video as well. Thanks for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.